Well, good evening, everybody. It's good to be in God's house and to uh, praise his name, lift up his name in song, and uh, be encouraged by his word. And if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians and chapter number 5. I wouldn't stand up yet, <laughs> unless you want to stand up for uh, quite a while. I'm just uh, giving you time to find it while I introduce, or you've met my wife. We've been married 36 years, and we've raised four children on the mission field, and all of them are here in the States. We have 12 grandchildren, or 11 grandchildren, another one on the way, and our youngest, Kimberly, she is the pastor's secretary, at, and her husband work in school ministry, church ministry at Granite Baptist Church in Maryland. And then uh, Kenny, our second to the youngest, he is missionary in Papua New Guinea and uh, on an island called Bougainville. Pray for Bougainville. They're about to vote for independence. And there are two sides in the country. One says, if you vote yes, we're going to fight. And the other side says, if you vote no, we're going to fight. And so the U.S. Embassy just sent out a, uh, like a restricted area, do not travel in this area. If something were to happen, we're not going to help you. So pray for Kenny in this time. And um, his wife, Kaylee, is... Uh, do and she'll be traveling back to the States in November but uh, to have our 12th grandchild and then Sharon you've been praying for Sharon uh, her husband took his life J July 8th and um, been a very difficult time for all of us but God has done some wonderful things and have worked some miracles in our lives and provided in in wonderful ways but pray for her and her uh, three children. And, and then our oldest daughter, uh, Rebecca, her and her husband are working in Lancaster at West Coast Baptist uh, College and Lancaster Baptist Church. God has been so good to us. 20, 28 years as missionaries, 26, we arrived. 26 years ago, we arrived in Papua New Guinea, and God led us, and we've been church planting missionaries. But one of the things about planning a church is that you need leadership. And to develop leadership, it was a little bit different from states. Um, when our church began to grow, and I'd go to an individual and say, I'd like to train you to be a Sunday school teacher. And they'd say, I don't know how to read in any language. Go to another individual. And over 95% of the people of our congregation in all of our churches uh, could not read or write in any language. The, there's 850 different language groups and the communicative language between those language groups is called Melanesian Pidgin and that's a language that we speak. And that's a language that Verda uh, taught our people how to read and write. The young man that just you saw being ordained, he was a... he. he was a rascal, what we call him, a, a criminal running from the police and uh, led him to the Lord and baptized. And he had a great desire to know God, but could not read or write. He attended Verda's Sunday school class 
and attended Verda's class on literacy, and as a result, God began to work in his life and call him into the ministry, and now he is pastoring the church that we started in 2003. And so God is doing some wonderful things, and my wife has had a, a very direct part in our ministry. And not only raising our children, not only looking after myself, but helping our church to grow and to learn uh, to read and write the pidgin language. It's such, and we thank you. You've been a part of our ministry and you have been faithful. I cannot say this, Pastor Fong, I cannot say this about all of our churches, but your church has been faithfully supporting on a monthly basis, and we appreciate that so much. Uh, that means a lot to us. But, you know, money will get a missionary to the field, but money will not keep a missionary on the field. And on our back table, we have some prayer cards, and I want you to uh, pick one up, uh, put it on your refrigerator, in your Bible, whichever you go to the most, Take two of them if that's all right. That's all right with me. And, uh, but the main thing is to pray for us. We desperately need your prayers. Uh, this past year, uh, our lives, my life has been threatened. And, and um, there's some illnesses that have come up. And, and we're doing fine. But uh, we're going back and excited about what God is going to do in the lives of our people in Papua New Guinea. And thank you for allowing us to be a part of your missionary journey. If you have your Bibles and you've turned already, I hope, to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians and chapter number 5. If we would stand for the reading of God's Word, if you're willing and able, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And I want to look at verse number 17 and we'll finish the end of the chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Father, bless your word tonight. Help me to clearly communicate your word and help us as we hear your word that we would not just be hearers only, but like James instructs, that we would be doers. May you be glorified and honored in everything that is said and done. In Jesus' name, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. 
This evening, I want to challenge you and encourage you about this area of reconciliation or the ministry of reconciliation. We find here that Paul, as he writes to the church at Corinth, that he instructs us and he, that God has given to us, notice the wording here in verse number 18, for what Christ has done, he has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. There's many different ministries that we're involved in, and I appreciate the bus ministry. My wife is a product of the bus ministry. As a young girl, she was invited to attend church at Liberty Baptist Church in San Jose. It was united back then. And as she attended church, the Sunday school teacher, her ministry, talked to her about salvation, and she accepted Christ. There's other ministries, the ushers and the, the, the greeters and, and Sunday school teachers, and, but there's a ministry that all of us can be involved in. In fact, God wants all of us to be involved in that. You don't have to be a missionary to go to Papua New Guinea to be involved in that. You don't have to be a pastor to be involved in it. But God wants each and every one of us to consider this ministry and this ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation, what is that? Well, to restore a right relationship, the act of reconciling parties at variance, renewal of friendships, after a disagreement or enmity. You see, sin has separated us from God. And as sin has separated us from God, the Bible says we are his enemies. And we are under the wrath of God if we do not know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And God has given us this ministry of bringing those who are under his wrath, bringing them to Christ so that they will no longer be under the wrath of God. I think several years ago in, in the area that we live is called Wow. And when you get there, you'll think it's, man, wow. Um, it's spelled W-A-U. And wow is a, a very unique place. In the early 1940s, 1930s, it was uh, a, a gold mining town. And 1940s, it played a vital role in, in World War II. And, and then now it's a coffee-growing area and and they have found gold and other minerals that they're looking at mining. But in the Wow Valley, there's two tribes, basically. In our church, there's nine different language groups. But there's basically two tribes. One is the Watuts, and the other tribe is the Biangais. And, and about seven years ago, there was a major tribal fight. There had been, the Biangais had been causing havoc to the Watuts and, and uh, fighting over gold and claiming land that was not theirs and just making it very difficult for the Watuts to exist. The Watuts, over several uh, months, began to 
collect themselves and to plan. And it was early Friday or Saturday morning. The Watus gathered on the mountainside and went down into the valley and burned hundreds of homes and uh, killed animals and messed up all the gardens. And no one was killed, but there was major catastrophe. There wasn't a surrender, but the Watuts felt pleased. But there was such an animosity. There's such a uh, hatred and a uh, that there was fighting going on and continuing to go on for several weeks until the police came in and and brought order again. In that, there had to be a mediator. The mediator from the government came in, sat down with all the chiefs and, and began to discuss what had to be done. Finally, there was a peace agreement and, and we had peace up until two months ago and then they began fighting again and several people, from what I have heard, over five people have been killed in that situation. But reconciliation bringing two people at odds, bringing them together. There's a mediator between those two to negotiate and to uh, help them come to a resolution. We are at odds at God if you do not know Jesus Christ because the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It is recorded in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 23. Uh, all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ is a mediator who brings peace from, to, from God to man and gives that peace. And Jesus Christ, a mediator who died and gave himself to bring about an offering that would satisfy God and allow mankind to have peace with God. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 17, Wherefore, in all these things, it behoove him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest, talking about Jesus, in the things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. How's that brought about? In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a worse, lest any man should boast. Faith, believing in Jesus Christ, his finished work on the cross. For Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And Jesus shed his blood to satisfy the payment for our sins. And as he died, he was buried and rose again. And that is a message that we need to take to the world. 
That is a ministry of reconciliation. Telling people it's not what you do, but what has been done for you. Jesus Christ, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. But we have a mandate to tell the world. We have a message, and we have a mandate to tell the world. Notice this. He, he, he talks about and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Look, verse number 19, the latter half, and committed unto us the word of reconciliation. It's not the church. It's not the pastor. It's not... It's not a missionary or an individual. God yet has given to us this responsibility. He has given to us this ministry. But I want you to know the extension of this ministry. It's not just here. It's worldwide. It's worldwide. It's in Papua New Guinea. It's in China. It's in Africa. It's a worldwide. Why? Because God loves the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but hath everlasting life. But notice, he, he has given us this ministry to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. I find that interesting because... It's not my word. It's not your word. It's not how I feel. It's not my experience. It's God. And it's his word that we proclaim. There's a lot of different words going around. But they don't lead to Jesus, the mediator. And they don't lead to God. They claim. There's claims. But we need to look at what the Word says. And the Word says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. We find in 2 Corinthians, and, and our, he says that we are, now we are ambassadors for Christ. We have this responsibility. We have this mandate to be God's representative ambassadors. You know, being in Papua New Guinea and reading the news, and Papua New Guinea has different ambassadors around the world. Just recently, this past year, the prime minister had to call home a particular ambassador. He had been drunk. He had been causing, ran up an enormous amount of debt. And finally, the prime minister called him and said, you are no longer our representative. You are not representing Papua New Guinea as we would like you to represent. An ambassador, one who represents a king from one country to another. Paul thus described his role and the role of all believers as a messenger representing the king of heavens 
with the gospel, who pleads with people of the world to be reconciled to God, who is their rightful king, an ambassador representing you and I are representing Christ, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. What kind of an ambassador are we? What kind of an ambassador? What kind of a representative are you? What kind of representative am I to the Lord? Our message is essential as we are to take the gospel to the lost and dying world. But notice this. In Romans chapter 10, and you can quote the verse, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And verse number 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But if you read a little bit further in verse number 14, how then shall they call on him whom they've not heard, whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God has given us this ministry, a ministry of reconciliation. It is His word of reconciliation that He has given to us. It's that authority, and He has given us the, uh, the, the authority. He has given us the, that abil- uh, the ability, and He has given us that office or that ambassadorship to represent Him. But are we fulfilling that mandate? Are we reaching the community like God wants us to? Are we making excuses when we should be praying and looking for opportunity to tell somebody, to invite somebody, to come to know the one who can bring peace and reconcile their lives to God? What is it? What do I need to do? Or why should I do that? Why should I get involved? Why should I uh, uh, take the time and, and why should I invest money or invest my time into telling people about Christ? Well, Paul gives us some motives for and reasons why we should be involved in this ministry and actively involved in this ministry. Let me share with you. First of all, look at this. Verse number 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I want to let you know, I, God has changed my life. And if God can change my life, He can change anybody's life. Paul says that. I'm the chiefest of sinners. (laughs) And if God can change me, he can change anyone. There's no one who's beyond hope. 
And you're not beyond hope if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. God loves you and God cares for you. And He wants all men to repent and, and to come to know Him as their personal Savior. Notice this. A changed life because of what God has done for me. By the way, I can remember the individual who came to me. My wife can remember the individual who came to her. And many of you can remember who came to you and who showed you God's word. And just as somebody has come to you and God has changed us, we need to go and help somebody else and share that with anyone, someone, because they too need to know the Lord that you know. And if we don't do it, who will? But because of the changed life. But notice something else, because of the changed destiny. You know, and, and here we are ambassadors, and, and here we are, God has changed us. But I want you to look at verse number, chapter number 5, and go up. And Paul says this. He says, verse number 8, or verse number 6. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are, at, we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight, and we are confident. Can you say that this evening? We are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. There's no soul sleep. There's no purgatory. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Man, that should motivate us to tell people. Why? Because we changed, God changed our direction. Before each one of us was headed to hell, we were on the road to hell, eternally suffering forever. What the Bible describes as a lake of fire. And yet, somebody has come to you and shared God's love to you. God doesn't send anybody to hell. God loves us however we choose what direction, what road we want to be on. But notice this. John chapter 14, verse number 1, Jesus makes this statement. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. The promise. God has given us a new direction. Headed toward an eternity in hell, and yet because of Christ and what He did on the cross and our faith and trust in Him and Him alone, He gives us a new life and He gives us eternal life to where we are now headed in a direction called heaven. Why should we be a part of that? Because of a changed life. Why should we be a part of this ministry and telling people about Christ? Well, verse number 10, because of the judgment seat of Christ. In chapter number 5, it talks about, in verse number 10, 
It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. It's talking about Christians. It's talking about a beam of seed. It's talking about a time of reward. It's talking about a time where we will give an account for what we have done. When I was thinking about this and preparing it this week, the question came to my mind, and I want to propose it to you. When we stand before the throne, would we wish that we would have done more? When we stand before God, could have we, should have we done more? In relationship to our Christian life, but in particular to this ministry that God has placed in all of our hands, the ministry of reconciliation, bringing people to Christ. But notice verse number 11, chapter 5. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Two thoughts. One day we will stand before God, knowing the terror of the Lord, knowing that He, all of our uh, uh, heart's desire, our, what we have done will be made known. There's nothing will be hid in His presence. But knowing the terror of the Lord... Knowing that God's wrath is upon all who do not believe. Knowing the terror of the Lord, knowing that your friend, knowing that your neighbor, knowing that those who you go to school with, you who, those you work around, those your neighbors, knowing that, knowing that there's people in Papua New Guinea who's never heard the name of Jesus one time. Knowing the terror of the Lord should persuade us to do something, to tell somebody, to act upon the command that God has given to us. The Bible says in John 3, 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. But he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Jude makes this statement in verse 22, And some having compassion making a difference. And others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by their flesh. Do we have that compassion to tell? Another motivation, verse number 14. But their minds were blind. Uh, uh, verse number 14, chapter 5. For the love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ, what Christ has done for us, should be motivated and makes us motivated to tell others about Christ. But not only God's love for us, but our love for God should motivate us to tell people about the love of God. But I want, as I was reading this, and I, I'm thinking about verse number 9. In verse number 9, 
It makes this statement. Wherefore, we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. He says that we may be accepted, not accepted as whether or not we go to heaven. That's already settled with the cross and our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but accepted. It carries with it the idea of pleasing, fulfilling God's purpose in our lives, that we are pleasing to God, accepted, a sense of pleasing or acceptable. Together, the thought is that he pressed on in the ministry to be pleasing to Jesus Christ. Paul, pressing on, continuing on, because he wanted to please his father. It's interesting, Romans chapter 4, verse number 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they were created. We were created to please God. And one of the things about this ministry We are pleasing God. We are doing what He wants us to do. Pleasing to God. Because we are fulfilling God's purpose and plan. I come to seek and to save that which was lost. And He tells us to go into all the world preaching the gospel. Pleasing God. Paul's attitude. I want to live my life so that I will be pleasing to God. We have a ministry. We have a ministry and a ministry of reconciliation and bringing men to Christ. We have a mandate given by God and that mandate includes an ambassadorship that as a representative telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have a motive. But the question is, are we participating? Well, that's the staff. No, I don't see it. Well, that's the missionary's job. Yes, but it is everyone who names the name of Christ. We all have a responsibility. And it is not given by the church. It's not given by an individual. It is given by God Almighty. So tonight, as we consider this, have you been reconciled to God? That's an important question. Your eternal, your eternal destiny depends upon that at question and your response to it. Because if you're not, tonight, God wants to reconcile you. He wants to bring you as an enemy to be a friend, to come inside the family of God as you put your faith and trust in Jesus and his work on the cross. But Christians, 
How are we? Are we serious about this ministry? Are we serious about telling people about Jesus Christ? The one who you have put your faith and trust in? Doesn't God care about your neighbor? How are they going to know? And as you look and think about this big day, and as you think about friend day, everybody has a friend. And if you don't, find one. But invite them. Encourage them. Take an invitation. But we need to be actively involved. Somebody's come to you. Who are you going to? What are we doing to reach our community? What are we doing to reach the world?